Welcome to Cisco Champion Radio. Today we'll be talking about DevNet integrations. Our DevNet expert is Stuart Clark, aka Evilbeard. We also have a special guest from Puppet, Rick Sherman, also known as ShermDog. Our Cisco Champion hosts today are Peter Jan Nefkins and Darren Fulwell. As for me, I'm Brett Shore from the Cisco Champion program, and I'll be playing the part of moderator. Stuart, if you can start off by just introducing yourself and giving us a little bit of information about who you are, what you do, and where you are, that'd be a great start. Sure, thanks, Brett. I'm Stuart Clark, I work for Cisco DevNet. I've been with Cisco DevNet now for around 18 months, and I'm a Cisco DevNet automation advocate. So as part of the DevNet program, I work with all the different business units, probably around 12 in total, mainly focused around the service provider environments and network automation, exploring the APIs and setting up code and doing workshops globally with the Cisco DevNet team and helping people learn automation at different levels. And they might be newcomers to network automation or they might be you know, a couple of years in or something like that, trying to pick up new skills or just trying to polish the skills that they've got. That's great, thank you. Now, Rick, if you can tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah, Rick Sherman. Um, I've been Puppet now for about three and a half years. I recently moved over to business development, so you know, I'm hiding some of the tattoos, keeping the beard, <laughs> um, but I'm really focused on our partnership with Cisco. Prior to that, I've actually uh, came over from another network vendor, lesser than Cisco, uh, with the sole intent of bringing network automation full force into Puppet. So really uh, moving that forward, changing the uh, paradigm of how Puppet did things in the past and how they're going to do things in the future, and really bridging the gap between the systems administrator and the network operator. Great, thanks. Now, Peter Jan, our Cisco champion, can you tell us who you are, what you do, and? Yeah, I'm, I'm Peter Jan Efkens. I'm a network consultant, architect, developer, trying to bridge the gaps in between all these roles and trying out new technologies and uh, doing all kind of neat stuff like writing, blogging, automation, programming. Great, thanks. Now, last but not least, Darren, tell us who you are, what you do. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, Darren Fulwell. I'm a, again a network architect. I work for a, a, a reseller in the UK, um, and yeah, I've got a, a team of consultants work for me, and really, I'm just uh, helping bring the new technologies to those guys so we can give the best to our customers. So, Stuart, um, can you explain a little bit about DevNet and integration with partners? Um, yeah, so this is something that's quite new with with Cisco DevNet, and we. Talked with Rick um, last year at DevNet Create about onboarding and bringing uh, Puppet into, into DevNet. DevNet's been uh, focused on bringing the APIs and exploring the APIs of the various Cisco products. But we also cover things like um, Java and we cover Python quite extensively because we find that a lot of people getting into network automation want to pick up Python because Python is so hot as well. And where this kind of really sort of ties into um, what we were doing with, with, with the Puppet thing is that as we know that lots of different teams of, um, across our business unit have used Puppet for a period of time. And we've had network, uh, network engineers ask us, are you going to do any sort of content around Puppet? You know, and who's the best people to go to? So this is why we partner up with Puppet and Rick to actually get that technology out there, to get the learning labs out there and get people hands-on and exploring and learning this new technology. I guess, I guess the idea is that, that yeah, we, we've been told as network engineers, we need to learn Python and do the programmability stuff. And what we're saying here is that's not the only option, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so many different ways, as you know, to do network automation. I mean, personally, I started with Ansible, and then I moved on to uh, Python, and then in the last year, I've started to look at GoLang as well. Um, you know, so yeah, there's, you're exactly right. There's more than one way to do something. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's it. There have been ways and means to do things, and now what we're saying is 
There's a and, range and, of ways. And right? that's also the beauty of APIs. These REST APIs, there's a, actually finally a way that they're platform and programming language independent. So it's much easier with REST APIs to hook them all together. And I've known Puppet for a number of years. I've tried it myself, but more from a server-side automation perspective. So Rick, can you share us a little bit about Puppet and what makes Puppet actually unique? Yeah, so you know, the, the really interesting thing for me with Puppet is kind of the core technology. There were some decisions that were made really, really long ago about how Puppet would abstract configurations away from the minutia of actually implementing them to their desired intent. You know, you hear about intent-based networking. I was going to say, you're, you're ringing alarm bells. Right? Yeah. You know, uh, and so, uh, I think that that intent-based networking has evolved to further towards the intent, but Puppet has always been declarative intent. You know, I want this thing configured in a certain way, but I'm not necessarily concerned about how that gets implemented. Sure. Right, so it really took a lot of uh, community to build that up, and we got a lot of momentum on the system administrator side, and now that's part and parcel with how SRE, how SysOps, how DevOps work day in, day out, right? Sure. People aren't logging in to the CLI all day long. They're declaring something you know, in Puppet and it's implementing it. And I think the real differentiator with Puppet as opposed to building the APIs yourself is that you do have that collaborative effort behind the scenes that's building those things and then you get all the value that you had with the systems, right? We, um, we made changes, they were intentional, they were corrective, here's the report. It all comes through in one cohesive way. So, so traditionally, Puppet has been for infrastructure, I guess. Is that fair? Yeah, for sure. Um, and now we're talking, you guys working with DevNet. So this, this strikes me something's changing here. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a concerted effort on our part to expand beyond just applications or just beyond servers. You know, I think there's a lot of value that we can provide from years of experience in the system side to the network operator side. And from my perspective, the conversations really changed. You know, this I think my sixth Cisco Live, and just seeing the amount of effort that Cisco puts behind the API programmability, I think folks are no longer hostile to automation to this type of change. I think even just a few years ago, there was a really it was it was scary, right? Well, that's thanks to yeah, thanks Ab to absolutely. Doing, right? And 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 to to Rick's point there, he raises a really really good point. Is that when a team that I was on a number of years ago wanted to do network automation. We had uh, an SRE team who were fantastic at automation using Puppet. And I was speaking to the SRE manager and I said, we're looking at doing automation because what I see is I see, I see our network team, our heads down, sweating. I said, and your SRE guys are coming in, they look like they've had a great night's sleep. You know, they're able to play on the foosball table. You know, they're still casually talking. I said, here I am saying that I'm worrying about configuring and managing, I don't know, five, 600 devices. You guys have got thousands of devices. How are you doing that? I want a part of that. You know, I want to get some of that foosball table in action in there as well. And, it, and he said, you know, well, you know, there's various tools. And one of the things he talked about extensively was, you know, how his guys, you know, used um, tools like Puppet and Chef and Ansible and things like that. And it's interesting how, and again, to what Rick said, how these um, tools, which were, for, you know, used in, I guess from traditional SRE tools have kind of made it over now into the into the network arena and stuff like that and how they've been built to actually be able to handle that, which is really interesting. Yeah, so what I feel makes Puppet really unique is it's state-based. It's Puppet languages, this is my desired state or intent, which is now the modern hype way to say it. And that Puppet language is really, really platform independent. Mm -hmm. So how can I link that up with my specific network device configuration and keep that into a specific state as well? 
Yeah, it's the nice thing within Puppet too is that we support hierarchical backends, so you can actually have really elegant uh, ways of building out the configuration that's specific to your data center, to your rack, to your device. We collect a lot of information about the things that help you, you know, target that towards it. Um, but to your point, yeah, it's the exact same Puppet language, whether it be network or compute. And so, you know, I guess our hope is that folks on multiple teams will start being able to collaborate around that single paradigm. Yes. You know, because the data, when you start to separate it, you know, that the how from the what, the data is easy to parse. The configurations are not. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that time to deployment, that time to review is really critical because there's a lot of players involved in making those decisions, whether it's efficient or not. <laughs> you know, that's, the, that's the reality. So I guess what we're now looking at is rather than worrying about deploying devices or things, elements of stuff or doing the network separate from the uh, from the VMs or whatever, what we're now t talking about is deploying a service or an application. Yeah, exactly. Right? It's about breaking down those silos across the office. Because I've been in offices and I'm sure everybody have and you guys that are here today are where your offices are kind of siloed up and stuff. And we started talking about this DevOps culture quite a while ago and it became the new cool buzz buzz buzzword kind of like kind of like cloud did, you know, sort of like eight, nine years ago when you had to put the word cloud onto every sentence. And DevOps became that real buzzword. And it's great when you've got one team in the office which is doing this, but if one team's doing it, every team should be doing that. And you should be breaking, breaking down that and not be afraid to cross the aisle. You know, the, when I used to work, walk into the SRE area, you know, they would get a little bit twitchy, a little bit meerkatty. You know, yeah, here's the network guy. What have I done wrong? Or, or if you know, when when a couple of network guys walk into an SRE area, there's an outage. You know, and that you know, so you got to cross down the barrier. And I spent a lot of time, you know, when I started my automation journey, um, is working with those guys and stuff like that, and understanding that kind of thought process that goes into it. Well, it's kind of interesting you mentioned it too, because Puppet does the state of DevOps report every year. You know, I mean, we partner with different companies, and it's a pretty large respondent group. And, and I can't say that I'm, you know, intimately familiar with the results for this year. But I think one of the common themes was is that we're seeing lots of pockets of success of DevOps methodology in organizations. But even there, they're not necessarily working together. No, you know, somebody, siloed, somebody, right? somebody will uh, be the guinea pig. They start seeing success and it builds momentum around there, but it's not generally a full force organization moving forward. Yeah, and so I think there's a lot of road ahead. Sometimes there are silos of DevOps teams. Exactly. Yes, yeah, yeah they are, yeah. I guess, and, and that's what we're saying about that orchestration of multiple uh, different technologies, I guess, through one platform is, is the gotta be the goal here. Yeah. So if I would uh, start integrating puppets and something in my network, how would I get started? Yeah, so within the, the Puppet ecosystem, uh, we originally had agents. Um, so if you started with the Nexus, you would have put an agent on it. We've removed that. So uh, oh, it's actually, it was, oh. it was supposed to have been released oh. right before I came to Cisco Live. Um, but no agents. it's a little, little slipped uh, in the next couple of weeks. But yeah, so we've eliminated agents on, on a lot of the networking platforms um, because it's a difficult thing to maintain. So moving forward, you would actually go into Puppet and configure your endpoints. You know, this is a Nexus device. Here's its credentials, here's its IP address, and then Puppet will initiate a conversation with that target. But the nice thing within Puppet 2 is that you still need to authorize that endpoint. So we get some information and you will store a certificate about that thing. So we still have a trusted level of communication between that. Because we are passing some you know, sensitive data back and forth. But once that's inside of the Puppet ecosystem, it operates just like it would if it was a server. Right? We see it as a node, we have information about it, and we can start applying configuration to it. 
And that way you can create end-to-end -end communication, service policies, and just deploy them semi-automatically. Yeah, so with Puppet, you actually start grouping things together, and then you can actually make some programmatic Puppet code. You, know, you can start very simple. You know, here's key value pairs for this resource, one-to-one. -one. Uh, you can actually query an existing device to get that back from it. So if you just want to say, I've, you know, this is Brownfield, give me these configurations, I just want to apply it back and see how it works. Then you can start slowly building away. You know, maybe I take those and turn them into variables, separate the configuration data into our hierarchical lookup tool. And then I can create my Puppet modules and make it more general as well. Exactly. And one of the things that I found really steep to learn as a DevNet developer guy is that I'm used to an iterative thinking with for loops and while loops and do this before I do that. And the Puppet language doesn't really have that. It's like... Well, you can you can do those things if okay. you want. If you want to, because I was really struggling with very, that in the past. Yeah, you can get very programmatic with it because it's it's loosely based off of Ruby, right? And under the hood, there's a lot of Ruby uh, paradigms still there, but it's not necessarily the story that we tell up front. Because I think a lot of network administrators, you know, in, in previous roles, I actually had, would have training sessions like, this is what a character is. This is a string. This is an integer. Right, this is a for loop, this is a conditional yeah. statement. I, I was just going to say, I mean, uh, Stuart, you must have seen that, trying to teach network guys to do programming, yeah. right? Yeah, we, we see that, you know, when we've done the DevNet Express events, you know, which we run globally around the world, and we do the co-create events as well, which is in turn of the, the Cisco and stuff, and it, you get such a mixed bag of people coming in there. You know, some know that kind of the little bit, and then some, some know slightly, you know, a little bit more than others, but you're right, you do, you do see that, and you kind of when we build this when we build this infrastructure, you have to assume everybody's starting from kind of ground zero to kind of just to build them up and go over there. And I think what's interesting about that is that you know people come away from that and they they will say things like, "Oh, you know, I didn't know that, you know, or you know, I always wondered what that was, and now I've got a little bit more clarity around that." And I think it's interesting too when you start going down any automation journey regardless of what your level of skill is, you kind of have this grand vision of what you know, automation looks like, and we have a tendency to boil the ocean. And so I think the, the folks that are most successful with automation really start small. Yeah. They really have a focus. That was going to be my question. And they, they start you... seeing success at yeah. whatever their skill set is. You know, if, if you can be really programmatic and do elegant things, you know, more power to you. But I still think there's a lot of value in very simple, very, you know, but, but that's also the only real way to gain trust in the tooling and the system. First, get rid of all the scratchy things like changing a syslog server, or the new time server is out, so I need to change that. Yeah. And then you can start doing all the other stuff as well, but take it slowly, yeah. small steps and Yeah, there's that steps. grand view, isn't there, of, yeah, I want to I do this to deploy an application yeah. so I can build VMs, I can create new VLANs, I can do this, I can do that. But yeah. I, I, so, I was in a session this morning and he made a very big beautiful parallel in automation with a, with a factory. If, if you take 99% uh, of your configuration means 100% error in, uh, in automation. Because in, for example, a bottling company like a beer company or Coca-Cola, if the mix is wrong, you've got 100,000 bottles an hour of failure. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. actually with automation in network, if, if you're not careful in the design, if, if you're not careful with small steps, you will create a disaster. Yeah, absolutely. I saw something. I read that in a in a book last year, uh, the Phoenix Project book, and they explained the exact same 
it's think. a must read for every, for everybody in IT to go to the yeah, read that book. Absolutely, yeah. You kind of you kind of go through that, and so I read the reviews on it before I read it, and every you know pretty much all the reviews said this was my career, <laughs> you know. And I think it's funny how it, they managed to capture that throughout of there. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a good read. No, I think it's. Uh, I think that journey is really important to go through yeah, think, and, absolutely. and to, to understand where we, where we need to take things. So. Yeah, yeah and, and integrations and puppets, um, I mean, I love puppets, so I'm, I'm, I'm a, well, you could say a puppet fan. Right, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and great to see that it's also on the, on the network, but I, mean, I know that DevNet also has something called sandboxes where you can start playing around. We do, and that's something that we're working on at this point in time as well. So DevNet has the, both the learning labs and the sandboxes. So you can go through the learning labs and you no longer have to have that, that hardware yourself or you're using your, your works resources. I used to have um, 20 routers stacked up in my living room next to my TV, which my wife adored. <laughs> she said she hated it, but I'm sure she really loved it. It kept the place nice and warm. Exactly. Yeah, abso absolutely. Um, and we had this running and stuff. And with the sandbox, you're able to reserve your own sandbox and work through the kind of the learning labs at your own pace and, you know, absorb that sort of technology and just get your hands-on experience with everything that you need to do. And it, all the sandboxes come in different flavors. We have them for, you know, all different uh, sort of automation and pretty much all of the Cisco products as well. And having this new edition of Puppet, which we're going to have very soon, is just going to be it's going to be perfect. Yeah, we've been using pretty extensively over the, about the last year. You know, I think it was it was uh, Stuart and the DevNet team that turned me on to it at Create last year, and you know, we really built out. Uh, I think 40 or 50 labs. Sure. We were able to do education and training and things like that that you couldn't have done in any other way, and it's uh, it was so easy to do with, with Cisco. Yeah. I think it's a huge game changer because folks that are trying to go down the automation journey. You know, labs are always going to be, you know, in high demand, yeah. and yeah. it seems seems like they have almost everything under the sun available yeah. in yeah, the sandbox. It is, and and thinking out loud, uh, integration APIs. Um, some teams you already use Puppet, of course, for the infrastructure. And if you're then talking end to end, you also have something called DNA Center, which is providing quite a lot of APIs to program the campus network or the enterprise network. In talking integration-wise, could I hook up from Puppet to DNA Center using open APIs and yeah, it's definitely interesting. an event thing if I'm not running ACI? Because, I mean, not everybody is using ACI in the data center. Correct, yeah, so we, you know, as, as you mentioned ACI, we do have the ACI integration now, and that's actually cool. something that Cisco built. You know, they saw the value in it, and they built it for their customers. Um, we've looked at DNA Center to see where the different inflection points are. I think there's lots of opportunities for there to be integrations. I just, you know, we haven't personally built any yet. I know I, I actually would almost look out to the community to say, you know, here's here's DNA Center. You're going down this this new journey with that. Here's Puppet. Where do they line up in your organization? Where are you seeing pain points, or where do you see opportunity? And start building some momentum around that. I think I think especially with that push now to get that that end-to-end -end policy automated view of things. Um, SD WAN as well, of course, will be a, uh, interesting areas to see how this yeah. develops. Yeah, SD WAN, as you know, is really, really hot right now. We've been doing a lot of work with DevNet. We released some videos on SD WAN and some full on learning labs. We're just about to go into the sort of like second stage of the learning labs, taking the feedback from the first lot to see what people really want to learn around that. And if we can do some integrations with, with Puppet on that, I mean, that's just going to really strengthen the learning for the, for the community again. 
And I think that's what's interesting about being you know, a quote unquote vendor is that you know, we're always so hungry for, for feedback from the field. Like we have a vision, we have an idea on how things would work. But as you start to build a community, you know, even just conversations on Twitter or you know, things at Cisco Live or the water cooler, you, know, you really start to get more of a crystallized vision about where things are going that you know, the collective group think you know, comes up with. And I, sure. that's what I think is so neat now is that we're starting to see that in this community as well. That, that's great, and well, thinking out loud, um, we're now on, the, on that journey to intent and APIs and integrating everything. How do you think it would be in like 10 years time? I wish I, I, wish I knew exactly, because then... Uh, no, not exactly, <laughs> but your, your idea, your goal. What would be the ultimate goal? My, my perspective is that there's the, the big picture, right? We're moving to cloud, we're moving to microservices. I think we're going to have much faster application delivery. But I also am grounded in reality. You know, there's still a lot of mainframes out there. Yeah, I think there's still going to be a lot of legacy infrastructure in 10 years. I, you know, I, I, people are really looking for that shiny future, but it's a long road. It's I think a very it's the long same road. with everything we're doing, right? Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's great having um, the Cisco's DNA center and all those other things to, to, to bring all that stuff together. But there are still those guys who have the networks that are cobbled together because they have to. It's uh, a customer need as much as anything. So anything we can do to, to make that easier has got to help as well. And, and you can see where tools like this, with the integration that, that's happening with, you know, with other elements through DevNet, you can see what that can bring. And I think it's really good stuff. I'm interested to, this sounds great to me, because I mean, I'm coming to this a little bit cold. I've not had the same, same experience that PTR has. Where do I go to find out more? What do I, what do I, where do I need to be looking? For me, um, yeah, we're going to be relaunching the um, sandbox and the learning labs with Puppet on next. That's the next stage. We should have those out very soon. Um, that'll, I think that's going to be really good for people to get dig into and start exploring and whether you know you've got experience with puppet from a different team and you're looking to learn about automating with puppet on on a network in the sandbox you can do that or whether you're a network engineer looking to onboard those puppet skills as well you'll be able to come in from all of those kind of different angles and really get on and learn it yeah and also on our side too we have the puppet learning vm which you can download from the website which walks you through getting familiar with installing Puppet and using Puppet and just some of like the primitives about how we view the world. Cool. So, so there's definitely levels. Combination of, of the two. Yeah, two yeah absolutely. Like and, and once you get started on the Puppet, I'm, I'm going to pitch in on that, uh, on the learning VM, the next step is that you can also use the Puppet open source version to get started up to yeah. 10 nodes. Yeah, actually, so like the, um, the open source version has no limitations, but the commercial version is free for up to 10 devices as well. And it's not because I work for the company, but I find that the commercial version is a lot easier to use because everything that you can do is self-included in one package. You install it, set a password, and it's done. You know, and then you can just go right, right into it. Um, I concur in that. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else? Not for me, actually. Can't wait to get started with an agent plus puppet master. Yeah, yeah we're really, we're really excited. Big change. Yeah, we've been. Uh, that's you know, really that's, a big change. Yeah, I was, I was fortunate enough to see this in, in a sort of a small demo. Um, Rick and some of the guys on Puppet joined our, our weekly team that we have with our um, director, Mandy Whaley, and they demonstrated this to us. And when they kind of, after the meeting, they said, which one of the advocates wanted to, you know, to, to run with this and work with the guys? You know, my hand was the first one in the air. So, you know, that's when we kind of made the connection. So it's all going to be really good stuff. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, you're going to keep hearing the story throughout the course of the year is that, you know, Puppet doesn't require an agent. 
We use it in some places that you know make sense. On the network side, it's agentless. Thanks guys, another great episode of Cisco Champion Radio. I want to thank Stuart and Rick for sharing their insight and for Peter Jan and Darren for hosting this session. As always, thanks to everyone for participating and joining Cisco Champion Radio. Look for this episode and others on iTunes and cisco.com slash go slash CCR. Until next time. <laughs>